Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I am Fatty. I am Stuart Hollis. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about Solitude. Which is Season 1, Episode 18. Original air date, one day before my 12th birthday. That would be February 6th, 1998. That is correct. And it's it's in that order on air date. Uh, this is another one where there's another episode on the DVD, so if you're confused, that's why. That's certainly a contributing factor. <laughs> we cannot say definitively that this is the only reason why you are confused. That is. So, Stuart, what do you remember about this episode? At the beginning, very, very little. It wasn't until a few minutes in, and they were on the ice, that I was like, wait, hold on a second. This seems familiar. And then I remembered, uh, that, uh, it's the second gate. That's on Earth. I had it in my head that it was in Russia because future knowledge. Mm. Uh, and also this is, I also remember this as sort of the latest nudge in the ongoing decade long sort of unrequited thing between Sam and Jack. Yeah. Honestly, this is probably the first major appearance of that because I'm not counting Caveman Jack. Well, technically it was Caveman, Cavewoman, Cave Person Carter. Well, Caveman Jack also beat up Daniel for being, you know, concerned about her, so... Yeah, sure, but Cave Person Carter started it. Okay. I, I don't know that we should count Cave People, Carter, uh, Sam and Jack. I, I feel like this is the first real, you know, not under the influence of anything example of this. Fair enough. You, of course, remember every detail of the episode because... Not every detail, but most of it, yeah. You almost certainly include this in your rewatches mm -hmm. because it is a solid episode. It is. Although, in the very, like, first couple minutes, there is a mistake. All right, lay it on me. Let me see. I want to know if I made note of it. So, Walter, who is still not credited as Walter. You know what? Not only is he not credited as Walter, but at a certain point, in, like, the last ten minutes of the episode, we finally see his name tag. It doesn't say Harriman. What does it say? I was trying. I was trying to read it. It says something else entirely. It's like five letters. It doesn't say Walter. It doesn't say Harriman. It would. It wouldn't say Walter. We both know this. No, but it wouldn't. Siler's got a name tag. Says Siler on it. He's in the credits as Siler too. I know. This is also, I believe, the first appearance of Siler. I think you might be right. Like first overt appearance. Whether or not he's ever been in the background right. on an episode, who can say? For he sure. very well could have been because of that anecdote I shared a while ago about him being Richard Dean Anderson's stunt double. Yeah, that kind of stood out in my head on his first big speaking appearance on camera, just because it's like you are clearly not an actor. That's not a mark against you. I'm clearly not an actor either, but just how he delivered his line was. I feel really bad kind of ragging on the guy, but yeah, it was very wooden, very Yeah, forced. no, it's got the same sort of, he had the same uh, acting chops for, you know, delivering his line as Ronda Rousey did in that one Fast and the Furious movie. Uh, you were referring to Fast and Furious 7. Yes. Where she is the personal bodyguard of the Sheik. Yes. They're in Dubai and they need to steal the supercar and jump it from one building to another building to another building. They don't need to. That's just their preferred method of escape. And Tyrese is doing a weird thing with stuff as a distraction. I'll admit, that doesn't narrow down for me which Fast and Furious movie to which you are referring. And <laughs> I know all of them. Well, it proved it's not the first one. That's very true. It's definitely not the first one or the third one. Right. <laughs> Actually, I don't think Tyrese is in the 
fourth one. Hold on. Is the fifth one the heist? The fifth one is the heist. The fourth one is Mexico. Yeah, I don't think he's in the, f- the fourth he one. He is not in the fourth one. He comes back for the fifth one, the heist. You're right. So it's not one, two, or four. One, right. three, or four. And, man, sometimes I wish it was not any of them. He plays an important role. Would you rather see Ludacris be the ridiculous person? Well, no, because I like Ludacris. Of course you like Ludacris. Everyone likes Ludacris. This has been a brief interlude for Fast and Furious Weekly. Speaking of Fast and Furious, did you see the stuff that apparently <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently Tyrese and Dwayne the Rock Johnson are beefing? I did not see that. Yeah, uh, like some super like passive aggressive stuff too. Tyrese posted something on his Instagram calling out Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and then deleted it a few minutes later. Yeah, that's a wise move. Yeah, you don't go. You don't call out the Rock. That's true, unless you want to smell what the Rock is cooking. That's right. I don't want to smell the rock is cooking. Unless it's some, like, delicious cod, which he apparently eats 20 pounds of a day. Like, really? He eats, like, eight meals a day, some absurdly, like, I don't know, like, well, easily, I, I believe like, it. Dude's huge. Yeah, no, he's huge. And in order to be that huge, he has to eat, like, every two hours a couple thousand calories. And work out every, like, five minutes. Yeah, no, he works out many, many hours, many, many hours a week. So, there were, at some point, he unveiled what his daily diet and workout regimen was and a couple of different people on a couple of different like health blogs and magazines were like we tried the rocks diet for three days oh god we hate ourselves <laughs> i like the picture of him on his cheat day with like 12 pizzas I'm so jelly this has been a brief interlude of the rock and tyrese beef but mostly the rock <laughs> weekly <laughs> all right so anyway, back to um, the mistake in the first couple of minutes of the episode. Yes, sir. Uh, um, Walter says SG-1's IDC before the gate activates. I did not pick up on that. The bigger thing that I picked up on was that they had an incoming traveler, and it was an off-world activation, and it wasn't scheduled. But it was not. <laughs> if only they had a phrase for that. Well, if only Walter had a damn name. <laughs> the, the two may happen at the same time. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, that was like literally like lines three and four of my notes are Gary Jones, still technician. Siler, Siler. I didn't even write down the actor's name. Dan Shea. Thank you. That's how irked I was. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't think they ever say Siler. Like, they don't say the word, but it's clearly on his uniform, and he is credited that way in the... I, yeah, I cannot recall if he was ever referred to as Sergeant... He was. He was referred to as Sergeant Siler at a certain point, I believe. Okay. I know he was referred to as Sergeant. I wasn't sure if they had said his last name. But either way, he, it was clearly... It it was actually very visible it on was. his uniform. And he was credited that way, so. Okay, so what else uh, stuck out for you? Um, Either in the first few minutes or just everywhere. Well, I spent all episodes... Because um, you just finished editing uh, The First Commandment, in which we discuss whether or not any version of the Air Force uniform says Colonel, I spent all episode trying to read Hammond's name tag and failed to see if it said General. About to say, Hammond's name tag wouldn't say Colonel even if it did say, like... <laughs> right! But I was trying to figure it out because it was I, was I was maintaining in that episode that I think that version of the uniform, it does actually say their rank on it. But darn standard definition, I was never able to read it. Based on uh, apparently not Walter yet, based on his name tag, there was no room 
for his rank abbreviation there. There were only five letters on his name it tag. It looked, in a couple of scenes I saw on Hammond's, it looked like there was more than one word on it. Uh, okay. But anyway, since I was never able to get a clear shot of it, it doesn't really matter. But I, I did, like, try... Like, I was really annoyed. Every time they did a close-up, it was cropped above his name tag. <laughs> Life is rough for you. It was annoying. So I picked up on a lot of little things. Uh, and we can... Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that were wrong in this one. Yeah. <laughs> so continuing the issue of Stargate physics and Stargate's not working the way they're supposed to, they're doing an outgoing wormhole to see if they can find uh, Sam and Jack. And Hammond has all the troops with their guns trained at the gate. What do they think is going to happen? It's an outgoing wormhole. <laughs> they They haven't quite decided yet how the wormholes work clearly <laughs> oh i just realized the synopsis for this episode oh yeah from tv guide o'neill and carter are trapped in antarctica after returning to earth through a stargate of unknown origin so i've got like two or three problems with that synopsis yeah lay it on first of all way to what's the opposite of burying the lead way to disinter the main point of the episode yeah like you know are trapped in antarctica we don't know that until like the last four yep. minutes of the episode the stargate wiki or uh page for this episode doesn't normally mention the tv guide synopsis but it does mention that it spoils the episode in, on this article nice also the modifier was dangling and so the sen and so the the latter half of the sentence after returning to earth through a stargate of unknown origin since the wormhole has two ends. It is not immediately clear whether they return to Earth through Stargate A of unknown origin, which is ridiculous because they dialed to it, yeah. or through end B, in which case that's not unknown origin necessarily. It's just bad words. Yeah. Every, just urgh. So this was not something I noticed because I am not that much of a nerd. But there was a thing uh, when... When they dial P4A771, the planet that they had originally gated in from, yes. to see if Jack and Sam are there, uh, apparently the chevrons that they used were actually those for Abydos. I hadn't noticed that either. Yeah. For uh, I, too, <laughs> am not that not nearly that much of a nerd. No, the only thing I actually notice about the chevrons that I do pick up on is that, obviously, every time they dial out from the SGC, they end with the point of origin. At. Yes. So... Uh, one other thing about how the Stargates work that they apparently hadn't fi hadn't you know nailed down yet. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the Stargate in Antarctica, uh, there was clearly a kawoosh hole in the ice on both sides of the gate. I noticed it behind the gate. I didn't notice that the kawoosh hole was also in front. I can't say for sure. Okay. I mean, there was obviously empty area in front. Right. But there was a kawoosh hole behind, which there shouldn't yeah. be. The kawoosh happens to the front, not the back. Oh, right. And since the symbols lit up on the front when Carter was trying to dial out... We, we know, know which that, direction, which yep. points. Are we sure they don't li light up on both sides? Uh, no, actually. But I'm pretty sure. Also, the fact that Carter and Jack were... Yes. ...woke up on one side, that's presumably the front. Correct. Now, I had not noticed any evidence of kawooshing in the direction that it should not have kawooshed. Largely in part because I had forgotten which direction was the correct kawooshing direction. So this name has a much cooler name in German. I mean, this episode has a much cooler title in German, by the way. Yeah? What is it? <laughs> Im 
a vegan ice. And feel free, German listeners, to tell me how I butchered your fair language. But it means in the eternal ice. That's so much better. Just sounds so cool. No, that's so much better. Because frankly, I if the episode title had been Solitude, mm. I would have been much more okay with it. But Solitudes? Nah. Also, the Italian name makes no sense. Planetary Wreckage. No, that makes no sense. That won't make sense for many, many episodes. What? How will it make sense in many episodes? There's plenty of episodes where they step out and it's just like a ruined planet. But that's oh, kind of the gotcha, point okay. of the whole episode is they're like, oh man, all these ruins around. This planet's wrecked. Yeah. Anyway. So what happens in this episode is <laughs> that uh, we have the, we talked about how uh, there's there's a... Even if they don't call it that. And it turns out to be SG-1. But only Teal'c and Jackson come through, mm-hmm. and they sort of get thrown through, and then the gate fizzles out. Yes. Teal'c, of course, is more or less fine. Being Teal. Jackson's out cold. Yeah. Being Jackson. Mm. And Hammond asks where Jack and Sam are, and they say they should be right behind him. But... They were but a few meters behind me as we passed through the Stargate. But he says meters specifically, and I'm just impressed at how quickly he has adapted from whatever unit of measurement they used on Chulak and in the service of Apophis to the metric system. Do you think the U.S. Air Force in the 90s would have used meters as part of their normal parlance? Yes. Because I feel like this may be a Canadian thing leaking through. Maybe. Ooh, definitely in the 2000s, but the late 90s. Let's just say yes. Okay, so then we see Carter and Jack in an ice cave. Yes, so jumping way ahead, Mm-hmm. At a certain point, Carter climbs her way out of the ice cave. Yeah, this bothered me too. She gets out of the ice cave. She looks around. We have a nice little helicopter pan moment, which I suppose in the year of our Lord 2017 would be a drone cam moment. Mm. She climbs back into the cave. Girl, it's an ice planet. She doesn't know that. Right, and so what I was wondering was how many planets... Did SG-6 go to do a cursory, maybe one mile sweep around the gate and say, well, I guess it's just a marsh planet. Yep. No, I've I've wondered that actually since Stargate started. It's like, I, I've wondered if they've missed a whole bunch of things on planets just because the cool stuff's nowhere near the gate. Right. And it is one of those things that it's, it, it's such a kind of like a artifact of the time in which the show was filmed that although it's a sci-fi show, the idea of very small robots that could beam a high-definition video signal back to the operator over multiple, multiple, multiple miles yeah, may have been one of those things like, nah, that's too far-fetched because we are trying to ground it in somewhat a little bit of military, uh, you know, modern American military reality. And... At that time, that would have been accurate. Obviously, things change a little bit on Atlantis with the jumpers. Yes, and then Universe with the Kinos. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Universe, the Kinos were basically infinite battery magic propulsion drones. And on Universe, they didn't have time to to explore entire planets anyway, so it was mostly a moot point. Because they would only ever have, like... 12 hours or something. Yes, whatever the weird... Whatever the countdown clock decided they had. Yeah, that's a whole other thing that we can get to in, what it would say, like... Like a what, decade? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, no, because we can do more than a season per year, but still, at least, like, seven or eight years, probably. <laughs> right. 
a while. This has been a very divergent episode, even though I really do actually have a lot to say about it. Yeah. As much as I enjoyed it, I just have like lots of little things to say about it. So, when you said the line, it's an ice planet, I appreciate that I'm looking at the Skype window and at your Skype <laughs> avatar. <laughs> For those who don't have me in their Skype contacts, because obviously you wouldn't. Why would not Why would you not have Stuart in your Skype contacts? Clearly you're missing out. <laughs> you are. Uh, my avatar in Skype is the Lego, uh, the little Lego minifig, a uh, stylized version of the Lego minifig with the orange chainsaw from Ice Planet 2002, which was one of my favorite sets growing up, actually probably from around this time. A little earlier. Okay. Yeah. It's very fitting in light of this episode. It's not fitting at all in light of any other episode ever, but it's always my avatar. Did you know that the different Ice Planet people actually had names? I didn't. I don't remember all of them anymore, but there was the, the official Lego magazine had like comics featuring them and stuff. Wow. Uh, the but the one guy with the gray with the or with the white mustache, he was Commander Cold. Little on the nose. <laughs> on the know. frostbitten nose. <laughs> Nice. Thank you. I don't remember the names of the others, but they did have names, and I'm sure there's a Lego wiki that catalogs them somewhere. This has been a very brief interlude of Stuart and Thad talk about Lego sets from their childhood weekly. So, let's get back to the actual point of what we're here to talk about. Eh, that's overrated. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're, they're on the ice planet. They're stuck there. Carter starts cataloging their supplies, and we finally have an answer to why did they carry these big rucksacks everywhere. They might get marooned on an ice planet. They might get marooned on an ice planet. Exactly. So Jack is also injured? Yes. He has a uh, fractured leg. Which is his ninth broken bone. Yes, and he is telling Carter about the time that he had got a fractured skull. He was saying that it happened when he was parachuting over the border between Iran and Iraq. In the 80s. Yes, in 1980. And it wasn't exactly an official mission, if you know what he means. So you figure he was, like, supposed to be doing something with the Iran-Contra thing? or I don't know. Or not the, the, the hostage crisis, I'm thinking, actually, not, not Contra. I don't know, but whatever he was doing, it wasn't entirely on the books, yeah. if you know what I mean. In fact, I think I do. I was kind of hoping to turn that into a whole thing, but the moment's lost now, thanks a lot. This is probably one of the things that, probably on one of those missions where Jack did things he's not proud of, which was alluded to in, was it the last episode? What was the last episode? I enjoyed no, it. No, it was two, last episode was Enigma, it was Cori, where Jack talks about his yes. shady military past. Yes. So they're starting on the ice planet. We cut back to the SGC, and Siler, who hasn't been named yet but will in the credits, unlike some people, <laughs> is working on fixing the gate. Honestly, I didn't have a whole lot to think about that, but my notes jump ahead to when another point where they're fixing the gate. They power it up to, like, 20 or 25% or something. They go straight from 20 to 100. Right. Who, who operates that way? Yeah. With a priceless, irreplaceable piece of equipment. Yeah. Well, it was the circuit they were testing, not the gate itself. But, yes. Okay, well, you know, they don't know for sure that they're not going to blow up the whole thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. The gate wasn't damaged. Uh, it was the wiring to the gate that had been damaged. Okay. But, yes, I agree that going straight from 20 to 100 was irresponsible. And, in fact, there's, there was, like, a short, like, fizzly noise partway through it, and I thought it was going to blow again. This is exactly what I wrote down. I was expecting the gate to blow up because I didn't remember the episode perfectly. So there's a couple of moments like later when Jackson 
the camera zooms in on Jackson's face and it's, I'm missing something. I was expecting a revelation. Mm. No revelation came. I thought it was weird that Jack was the only one that noticed that the facility shook. Or not Jack, uh, Daniel, later. It was 4 a.m. Still, though. All right. He's a main character. Some of the other characters who maybe could have noticed haven't received names yet. (laughs) Walter has more lines than Siler in this episode, I think. You're not contributing to helping ease my pain. No, I'm I'm calling out the, like, ridiculousness here. Thank you for being on my side. I'm totally on your side in this case. So talking about Jackson and not technician. (laughs) Jackson wakes up. And it's Teal'c. Teal'c's, like, stern face right in front of him. How would you like to wake up to that? I mean, I imagine in Daniel's case, he's probably just used to it, because that's just Teal'c's everyday face. Teal'c has resting stern face. It's Teal'c's everyday face, but you're coming out of this weird state and everything, and that's what that's what you're looking at? It's, hmm, it's something. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. But that didn't really... Yeah, no, that was not something that occurred to me while watching it. But I I can see your point. Okay. But Teal'c tells him that that Sam and Jack didn't come through the gate. And Daniel's like, well, that that can't be. They were right there. And Teal'c's like, I agree. I'm like, well, yeah, you you guys may agree. But it's the fact that they didn't come through the gate is, in fact, true. Right. It seems to be a pretty solid, indisputable fact that they didn't come through the gate. Because even if... Either of you perhaps forgot that they came through the gate. There's like a whole room of people. Yeah. So once the so they do work on getting the gate back up. They do they test the circuits. They get it working. They dial the planet. And this is where they apparently don't realize yet that you can't that nothing's going to come in on an outgoing wormhole. Correct. They haven't made that decision yet. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 MALP probe <laughs> gets uh, destroyed after it goes through the gate. So. Man, did you notice those cutting-edge graphics? Oh, yeah. I feel like it would have been... Maybe overlaying CGI on existing video was really, really, really ridiculously difficult back in 1998 or something, but I feel like it would have been much, much better. If Not necessarily had... ridiculously difficult, but I'm betting certainly more expensive. Than creating the whole scene from scratch? Like, I... Honestly, looking at it, it felt like felt like I was playing Quake. Sure, a little bit. That sort of quality graphics. But, uh, I mean, imagine if they had just panned over an open plane with a mountain in the background, did some color correction, and CGI'd in the pillars. Yeah, that prob- that would have... Well, anything would have looked better, really. Yeah, that was bad. But, you know, 90s. Yeah. Remember that CGI tree in Twister? Okay. <laughs> Oh boy, Twister. I love that movie, but it's a weird premise. Yeah. Trust me, rabbit is good, rabbit is wise. Evil storm chasers, man. Evil storm chasers. <laughs> yes. No, I know. That was my... <laughs> All right. So, after we cut to that, we go back to uh, Sam and Jack in the in the cave, in the ice cave, the cave of ice. Mm. Carter's gro- going through her whole thing, and... Jack has a look on his face and then later says, sorry, I wasn't listening, to prove that, yes, you have to know that his internal monologue was, for crying out loud, Carter, could you please nerd out somewhere else? Mm-hmm. She's going on and on about, I don't even remember what she was going on about. I, like Jack, was not listening. Yeah. I can't remember if that was when she was nerding out about the possibilities of what happened to Teal'c and Jackson. Yeah, she just says the three possibilities. Right. Or maybe it was the time she was nerding out about... What could have caused the gate to do this? What I didn't like when she says the three possibilities, and 
Jack says, what's possibility four? She says, there is none. It's like, no, you just haven't thought of one. And you're a scientist. You should know better than just straight out say there is no other possibility. No one needs more than 640 kilobytes of memory. Mm. Mm. But that was a myth that he didn't actually say that. Here's one that is 100% not a myth. I see a world market for maybe seven or eight computers. Uh, yeah. I think it was the president of IBM. Although the only thing that may be out of context on that one is that I don't know if they had nailed down calling them computers yet. Because at the time that you would have made an estimate like that, they may have still had humans that were called computers because they were computing things. Which is something I did not realize until I watched Hidden Figures. That's because you haven't read Cryptonomicon. 27 times like i have that's true i have only read it once right and it probably does mention that at one point but i forgot yes when the people in the book the character alan turing in the book who whether or not it relates to the actual historical alan turing who knows is talking with lawrence waterhouse and they're saying like oh i'm gonna call it a computer like well a computer is a human like no, no a digital computer oh okay cool i'm on board with that so, yeah, there's no proof that Gates ever said the 640K line. And, in fact, when asked about it in 2001, he said, that's ridiculous. At the time, I was pushing for it to have more memory than it actually had. A likely story. That's true. Because, you know, he could, yes, obviously he could be making that up. But there is no actual evidence that he said that. Right. But, yeah, the computer thing, that was real. Yes. And Where, where the, the heck were we? Before we got off on that tangent. Oh, and the fact that no one would want to watch movies on their phone. Mm-hmm. Jobs actually said that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I appreciated in this episode was that there was quite a bit of humor in it. Mm-hmm. We're getting more and more of that as the episodes go by, which I love because it's part of what brings me back to Stargate in the later seasons. Mm. Uh, Speaking of humor and this episode, I'm actually reminded of when they did the... Uh, this is kind of not really future knowledge. Uh, when they did the 200th episode of Stargate, which was the fancy, the like joke episode, uh, after that, they had like an hour long sort of documentary about Stargate SG-1 on sci-fi at the time. Mm-hmm. And in it, they included some outtakes from different episodes. And one of them is from this, where uh, when they're trying to fix the DHD, Carter says, You used to be MacGyver, McGadget, McGimmick. Now you're Mr. McUseless. That's good. I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's it's ha funny. <laughs> not ha ha funny? Yeah. Gotcha. What's also not ha ha funny was when they were cuddling up. Colonel, it's my sidearm, I swear. <laughs> oh, yeah, that just made me groan. Yeah, but, you know, okay. Yeah. Like, eh, good nature groaning. It, we've heard worse on this show. Something else I wanted to touch on was... When Jackson realizes we excluded Earth, even though maybe we shouldn't have, even though why shouldn't we have? Mm. And he's saying, hey, you know how we keep seeing all these different cultures that occurred after ancient Egypt? And we were like, eh, that's weird. I wonder why that works that way. But never gave it a whole lot of thought. Hey, we were mentioning that, too. A little bit, yeah. I don't think we ever like, put it quite that clearly. No, I think we were just saying they were messing up there. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that also doesn't really make sense, uh, given future knowledge. Okay, go on. Oh, no, I forgot that they came back after they left. Never mind. Oh, there was something else that really stuck out to me. Oh, the one part where 
Siler is explaining to General Hammond, like, well, it's all theoretical, but basically it's a giant superconductor. It's like, the dude runs the thing. This all anyone knows about how the Stargate works is that it uses superconductors. Yeah. But then later when Jackson is going off about, like, Would it shake enough to indicate its location on a seismometer? Damn right it would. So, yeah. are you an are you an expert on this stuff or not? Not even an expert, but are you, are you knowledgeable? So, I also have trouble believing that Sam wouldn't try dialing another planet. Like Abydos. Yeah, or anything. They're only going to each planet once, from what we see, what we know, other than apparently the Land of Light. Well, no, because that's just stored in the computer. Anyway, the team, the team's not even doing the dialing. They're only ever dialing home. So you're, you're saying she wouldn't know any other addresses? Except maybe Abydos. Yeah, I'm thinking she would probably know at least one other address. And I have trouble, like, again, this is, you know, scientific method. If it failed dialing Earth, let's try a different ad- address. Okay, well, that didn't work for the entirety of the SGC for decades and decades and decades, so... That's also true, but... Anyway, because obviously that would have, it would have gotten a lock to Abydos and they would have been able to go through. No, they wouldn't have, because Daniel told them to bury the gate on Abydos for a year. Oh yeah, they did. Boom. Yeah, that's fair. Although I would have maybe appreciated like a very brief throwaway line of like, and I can't think of any other address except Abydos, but I know that gate's buried. But after Carter climbs her way out of the cave, and then back into the cave, and then falls and tumbles in through the cave. Where does it lead? To your cave. Step forward into your cave. And then pretends to be Jack's ex-wife briefly. In the cave. In the cave, yes. <laughs> and then they de- and then she decides that they will both succumb to the cold, cold in the cave. icy embrace of death in the cave. <laughs> but no, that's not the end of the episode yet. The big thing that stuck out to me actually was I was actually kind of tempted to cut it at that point on my second watch through. Because I make my notes on the second watch through for those listeners who are joining us now, but on the early episodes where we've already explained how we approach our work. Uh, I was thinking about cutting it off pretty much there because it's like, oh, well, yeah, whatever, they get rescued now. But it's good that I didn't because in the last five seconds of the episode, mm-hmm. Hammond says something that is actually really important. I may have missed this. Which was, and I'm going to flub the exact quote, but it was, A team from the SGC will be arriving within the hour to secure this area. Yeah. Does the rescue team at McMurdo have authorization and clearance to know about the existence of Stargate Command? So, my complaint with this, um, having, you know, flown in airplanes before. Yes. It would take a while to fly from Colorado to Antarctica. How in the world did Hammond and Jackson get there the same time as the rescue team? And in enough time such that Carter and O'Neill hadn't succumbed <laughs> to the cold embrace of death in, in the, the cave. cave. <laughs> that had not occurred to me. I was stuck on the security implications. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> also, it's weird that it, it seemed sort of weird to me that Hammond was there at all. A little. Oh, hey, here's another scene from the opening sequence. Yes, it is. That is a little weird that he would fly all the way out there incredibly fast. Yeah. I don't even think, I doubt they have an airfield at Cheyenne Mountain, so they'd have to... No, they would have to go to uh, Evans. Is it Evans? Honestly, we didn't ship a whole lot out to Wyoming. I only remember it because they 
it comes up on Stargate a few times. Okay. But I think it's Evans Air Force Base. So they would have had to take a very fast helicopter to the nearest airfield to hop on an Air Force Learjet. I mean, there's presumably an airport in Colorado Springs. I suppose. Still, though. You're right. That is odd, and it had not occurred to me. But even then, it's still going to take a long time to fly, you know, over halfway across the world. Yeah, it's a very long way. Because it's not like they have some sort of top-secret, second-generation, you know, experimental like aircraft of some kind that's influenced by alien technology. They don't have one yet. Yeah, I'm just spitballing here that maybe, like, if they had such a thing, if they were to ever have such things. Yeah, they might have something in the future, but at this point, they haven't... No such alien technology has been to Earth. I don't... It's not dependent upon alien technology being on Earth. They're just, like, inspired by it, and they, like... I don't think everyone. I don't think one ever gets to her. Uh, yeah, they do. Does it? Yeah. That Ooh. They com- yeah. No, it's actually at a big plot point that it is retrofitted. That they're not just inspiring. That they're actually straight up. Well, yeah. Well, that's why I said second generation. You can't just slap a U.S. Air Force sticker. <laughs> <laughs> you really can't. You can't just slap a U.S. Air Force sticker on there. <laughs> So before you go slapping a U.S. Air Force sticker on the side of the ship... Oh, you stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so as uh, Carter was preparing to embrace Jack and... Death. Yeah, the cold, eternal slumber of death in, in the, the cave. <laughs> it occurred to me that as she was climbing out of the cave... And talking with Jack, and he was saying, it's been an honor serving with you. And all she can say back is, yes, sir. Don't you just hate those moments where someone else has the much better farewell Mm. or sort of sentiment, and all you can do is, yeah, me too. I feel the same way. Me too. Yeah. Ditto, dog. (laughs) Right. I'm going to start using that one. Well, I mean, we jumped all over the episode, but I but think... I think we covered most everything. I think I hit on all the stuff that I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, as I said at the top, I I really enjoyed this episode. It's a solid... It's not quite a bottle episode, because they had a relatively expensive, we're only going to see it maybe one or two times more, uh, cave set. Or not even set. Like, who knows if they were filming on location or set, but one or another, that's expensive compared to, like, a proper bottle episode where it's just, like, all in the gate room or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, very small, contained episode only the couple of different set pieces decent balance of the different characters on the show i'd say yeah it wasn't uh yeah the jack and jack sam teal daniel even general hammond they all had a relatively important role in this episode oh the last thing i wanted to bring up uh was when teal is doing his uh, rescue mi- his uh scouting missions i guess you could call them mm-hmm. comes back through the gate got some guy slung over her shoulders attention yeah i enjoyed that a little bit what happened to uh colonel Makepeace? he also requires medical attention no because like they uh when they were before they scrapped the uh that was sg3 yeah and they said and he said you'll be coordinating with major castleman i'm just wondering what happened to colonel Makepeace. he comes back later he's on temporary reassignment for sensitive Activity training <laughs> with regard to working with non-indigenous uh, 
specialists. Mm. Alien friends. Right. But no, good episode. Mm. Enjoyed it a lot. Next week, we'll be going over Tin Man. Yes. Next week, we'll be discussing the episode Tin Man. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Me too. You can find the show, Stargate Weekly, on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. You can also find us on Facebook, also just Stargate Weekly. And our website is StargateWeekly.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I am at Tyrannicus. I'm at Gamicus. And I think that's more or less it. That is more or less it. So basically, any place where you think you might want to find Stargate Weekly, just try Stargate Weekly. Yeah, I mean, and we're there as Stargate Weekly. Oh, yeah, you can send us an email at StargateWeekly at gmail.com. Absolutely. Uh, let us know what you thought. Please don't forget to like, favorite, and subscribe. If you want to leave us a review in iTunes or Google Play, go right ahead. Yes, indeed. Thanks so much for listening.